Praise the Lord. You be seated. The presence of the Lord. What a wonderful day in God's house, isn't it? Amen. It's just a, I mean, I just don't even know what to do. <laughs> I, mean, I was hoping he would just dismiss, be honest. But uh, <laughs> come on now. Amen. What a work. Well, when God just does a work, of course. Uh, you know, I don't expect anything less, you know, to be here. And uh, thank God for the opportunity to come. And thank you, Pastor Jared, for uh, the invitation to uh, be here. And uh, it is a privilege and an honor to uh, be able to come here. And this is one of my favorite places in uh, all of the world to come. Amen. 17 states, I think at least that we've preached the gospel in, traveled through many more than that. But I've been to a lot of places, but I've never quite been to a place like this. I've said this a lot of times, so I'm going to say it again. Maybe if you're new, you've never heard it. But uh, I just celebrated. I didn't. I hadn't said this part, but I will say that, you know, 22 years, someone mentioned the, the date, two years. And uh, it's about this day. Actually, I think it was the 14th. Um, August 1999 that I came to the Lord so uh, 22 years uh, this weekend walking with Jesus amen he changed my life <clears throat> you never know where that journey will take you uh, it's taken us some places we just said yes to the Lord there have been a lot of places been to some good good places but I was telling uh, my wife down here I said if I really had facing a very, if I was facing an impossibility, I'll say it like that, and I was desperate to get to the realm of the Spirit and to the throne of God, I said, take me to grace. I said, take me to grace. Because I just believe there's something of people here that could get me to Jesus. Amen. I mean that. And uh, I did say that coming down here. This is a phenomenal work of God. And you would have to know that it was the Lord that told you to not be here. You know, we come to this place, and I, the Lord really burdened my heart with this some time ago. It was about 16 months ago, we preached under the tent out here, if you remember the message about the shaking. I don't know if I ever really brought it out. I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't know, I can't remember. It, but, you know, one of the things about that was uh, the, the boneyard of Ezekiel. And God, through that prophetic word that created the shake in the boneyard, the first thing that happened was bones came together. They didn't separate. They were already separated. The shaking brought unity. But it was the God-ordained kind. It was God kind of unity. You know, just because you get along with everybody here don't mean you're in unity. Now, we want you to get along. <laughs> Amen. We want you to get along. But you can, you can get along, and thank God if you do, do that, but you can get along and not be in unity. You know, that's, but when God, God's idea of unity is every man in his place. 
functioning in that place. You know, you're not called to be the pastor of this church. There's only one pastor. Can I get a witness? You'd be a fool to want to be if God didn't call you. You just got to know your place in the body. And you got to know that God ordains you to be in a certain place. And the Lord told me one time, been several years ago, I was in a place of ministry and I was still pretty young in the Lord, you know, but I was sitting there and I was on on staff and just at this place and I just was thinking to myself, all the stuff we needed to do. And God, just one of those moments where the Lord just sits you down, you know, and he said, I was just thinking, we do this, do that, the other, and so God said to me this, he said, I didn't call you to fix anything. I called you to be in your place. And he said, you get in your place and you function in the spirit and I'll handle everything that needs to be changed. And I can tell you what, God didn't call you to fix his church. He called you to be where you're supposed to be. And he called you to do what you're supposed to do. Amen. If only the mask muzzled the tongue. Put that on your next Facebook post. Come on, on somebody. Somebody said the other day, said, I I never seen the the lame uh, walk because Facebook never helped the lame walk, but it sure has made the dumb speak. Be said of any really, you know, social media realm or whatnot, but I I just want to encourage you, folks, be in your place. Because I I can tell you, it will be detrimental to you to not be. It will be detrimental to your spiritual life, and it will be detrimental to your family. And it it is important to have a God-ordained unity, every man his place. Bone came together, bone to his bone. Okay? let Let me just read another, let me just add something to that thought. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased who? Him. You know what that verse tells me? It tells me that man doesn't choose where he wants to serve in the body of Christ. You don't choose that. There is a divine placement for you In this body. And if you're not in your place. You mess up the whole equilibrium of the church. And no wonder things are out of balance. Because man thought they could choose where they wanted to be. But God chooses that. And if he has to shake you to get you where you're supposed to be. He will. Because he loves you. But sometimes God's just putting you where you belong. And you're never going to be full and fulfilled and know the fullness of Christ if you are not where you're supposed to be. This is something that is solely dependent on God's choosing. So let's ask the Lord (laughs) where we're supposed to be and, and be there. And I tell you, if God called me here, he'd have to pry me out to get me to go. I'm just telling you, folks. 
Now we forget that a lot of times the anointing on our life is connected to where God's placed us. Sometimes we think, well, that's my anointing. I've, had, I've, heard, I, I, I've heard people say, literally say this before. They just don't recognize my anointing there. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, folks. They just don't recognize, they, don't just, they just don't recognize my anointing. Come on. That's a dangerous place, folks. You don't have an anointing. Jesus has an anointing. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, for God has anointed me. Well, Brother Jeremy, you preach the truth? Yeah, because I preach Jesus. I preach the man Jesus. Amen. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? There's nothing like every man be supposed. Why did it take 10 days for God to fulfill the promise of the Father in the upper room. Well, I believe part of that is because every man's getting where they're supposed to be. And woman. Everybody's getting in their place. 500 people heard that promise. That we know. But how many was there? We lost 380. But the 120, Sister Dana, didn't let the 380... Discourage them from obtaining what God said could be theirs. They were still there. Amen. Nobody likes to lose it. But I can tell you what. I'm not going to let you keep me from being there where the Lord said he's going to fulfill his promise. Amen. Sometimes it just takes a little while. For every person to get where they're supposed to be. They had to appoint leadership. They had to refill, refill a spot that was, uh, was open there. But guess what? When every man and every woman got where they were supposed to be, and the Scripture says they were in one mind and one accord. One mind and one accord. You know what that was? That was every man and woman in their place. They were all in the same place Wanting the same thing at the same time. Nobody was making their list to Walmart. Nobody was wondering when we're going to get out. Nobody was striving against another person. No one was questioning what was going on. They were all there for one and the same thing. And you know what happened? They got it. Think about that. If God could bring us to that place of oneness, of unity, that when we come into this gathering, in this assembly, that every person is there, same time, same place, wanting the same thing, wanting it in the same way, we'll get the same thing they got. God will fulfill His word and He will fulfill His promise. Did you know when Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem, that they was able to withstand every attack that came against them. Four chapters, they overcome every mocking, every ridicule, every attack from the outside. Why? Because every man had his hand to the work. There was a, a, a unity in the body that nothing from the outside could come in 
and hinder them. A sword in one hand, a towel in the other hand, and they're working in this kingdom of God, and they didn't have time, and every gate was going to be built, including the dung gate, and things was going to have to get out of the way if they're going to keep building the wall. All the trash, all the rubbish, all the, the rubble had to go to continue the work. And when those bearer of burdens got tired, guess who was the first one to notice that stuff needed to get out? going to give you a chance Judah did Judah did that tells me praise did you always know when something needs to go out the gate whenever the worship is a little draggy the first ones that recognize it Judah recognize it I can tell you what whenever that thing's heavy guess what Something needs to go out the dung gate. Because we can't get on with the work of God. And the first thing that's going to notice that is this worship team and all the atmosphere in that environment. Because it recognizes something needs to go. The bearer of burden's strength is decaying. And they're the ones that's hauling the stuff out. They're the ones that's carrying stuff out. And they're getting weak. And the worship begins to, was the first ones to recognize, hey, there's some stuff needs to go. That's why we need to leave these altars open. That's why I thank God for this church. Thank God for this pastor who says, listen, we've invested too much prayer, too much time. This is, this is too sacred for us to just waste a service. And we're just going to get on with this thing. And if there's anything needs to be dropped, and if there's anything needs to go, anything needs to be brought to the altar, to the cross, or out the door, wherever it needs to get, it needs to get out of the way so that God can do His work in amongst us. But the fifth, but the fifth chapter is where the work began to cease. There's no record of the building. And you know why? Because the nobles and the leadership had begun to exact usury against the people of God. They took their money and they charged a high interest rate and they put those people who were poor in further bondage. And they couldn't continue their work. Why? Because they had records against those. There was debts amongst the body. And guess what entered in? Strife entered in. Strife entered into the body and the work ceased. Isn't it amazing that no matter how the enemy attacks us from the outside, Pastor, if there's a oneness in this body, we can withstand everything that comes against this house. When I preached here probably for the first time, the only reason why I know this, there was a clip of it not long ago that was a memory sent to me. It was the first time that was there, and I, I was preaching on how that God had set Himself against this house. All the adversaries around this community knew. And not only come back to me because I've seen that thing. I've seen that, that clip there. And uh, I, I was preaching, he's jumping. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Amen. But I was saying in just that little portion, I, and, I, and it started coming back to me. So that, that, see, the enemy has, has been sent letters and everything else saying, hey, you didn't know this was taking place on the other side of this river, but these people's building. And he was letting them know, hey, you're about to lose all your taxes from that side, and guess what? 
We're about to pay taxes. To, we're about to pay tithe and, and offering to the Lord that was going to our booze and going to our drugs and going to every other kind of worldly thing we were squandering. And God was building a house. And I said, hell has set himself against this house. Why? Because he only converges upon the testimony of life. He'll fill your building. He'll let you look extravagant. He'll let you look like you got something going on. But I can tell you, if the testimony of life isn't there, He ain't bothering you. He's helping you because you're no threat to Him. He only knocks on the door of the testimony of life. And wherever that testimony is, is where hell comes knocking on the door. But I can assure you, there's no attack from this devil that can over come the building of God's house here you see the evidence of it over there and the, the enlargement of it right there and I can tell you nothing from the outside can fake can overcome the building of God's people if they'll stay in unity but it's whenever it got on the inside that the work began to cease why strife entered in Strife entered in. And you know why strife entered in, Brother David? It's because everybody was keeping a record of the wrongs of the people. Brother David, he didn't smile at me tonight. Pastor Jared, he didn't handle me the right way. Brother Rafe. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sister Dana, BB, he didn't show up on time. And guess what was happening? They were just filling out that ledger. Guess what? Eventually that ledger is going to get full. And then... Instead of just saying, you know what, the work is too important. Matter of fact, it's more important to me. I know I didn't get acknowledged. I know I thought I deserved a little more recognition. But the work is bigger than me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forgive you, brother. You know why? Because this kingdom and this work is more important than me. And it's bigger than me. And I shouldn't even be in the thing. And I'm just sitting there, Brother Chris, thinking, how'd I get in this? And God, if I'm dragging up crumbs, if I'm just the one sitting here just receiving, if I'm just the one scraping something off the parking lot, or if I'm the one scrubbing toilets, or if I'm the one leading the worship or doing the preaching, I just say, Lord, it's by your grace and grace alone that I'm even in this kingdom. And don't let me touch your holy church. And sure... Don't let me divide it. Did you know the first act of wisdom of Solomon was? Judgment on the division of life. How did he discern who was right? By the one who was willing to separate life. That's how he knew. That mama would rather put the, that baby in the hands of a lying witch, wicked woman, 
For what? The possibility to live. The possibility to live is more important than me getting my half. And me getting my way. Or whatever else it may be. But I can promise you that we must be cautious. And Lord just, I, I just want to, I just, I'm just trying to follow the Lord here tonight. But I just want to tell you, there was something, I'm, I'm going to read this scripture to you. And I'm thinking about this, I, I want to I find this in, uh, in Nehemiah. Just read this to you about, the, uh, about what I'm talking about here. And seeing how that the Lord, what exactly Nehemiah told him to do. He told them to, they were exacting the usury, and he told them this, let us leave off the usury. You know what he was saying? Let's forgive them. Let's forgive them. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah was actually angry from the fact of what was taking place in in in, in amongst the people, and he said to them, he said, let's leave off the usury. Friend, that's what you got to do. There's only one way to advance in this, in this thing, and that's for you and I to leave off the usury. You need to take that ledger that you have, and you need to just wad it up, and you just need to throw it in the trash and say, you know what, if we're going to be in the work of the Lord, it's only a matter of time, folks. It's only a matter of time before something is going to be done in your life that's going to cause you to be able to make a record of it. There's no one person that's perfect in this kingdom. And we need to understand that striving is the way of Satan. I could take you through the scripture and go back to Abraham and Lot's herdsmen. We can see what that's always a tool. It was a strife in the herdsmen. It was the strife between Joseph and his brothers. It was the strife between Saul and David. It was between David and Absalom. It was all the way through. It was all the way in the, in the Corinthian church. And it was always a tool that the enemy used to what? To hinder the will of the Lord. And the only way is, to just, is just to forgive men their trespasses. That's why Jesus said, not how many times, Lord? <laughs> I can tell you sometimes nobody's going to know about what you forgave. Come on. Listen, you ain't the only one's been there. We've all walked there, brother. And the only reason why we stand in unity and with who we stand in unity with and the only reason why that we can continue is because there was a choice that had to be made. Somebody had to forgive. And guess what? There's going to be things that you're going to have to bury in your life and nobody's going to know about it. Even the person that done it to you is not going to know about it. Because you had to give that thing to the Lord. But it's the only way to advance, friend. 
It's the only way to move forward in this kingdom. It's the only way you're not going to be hindered. There's too much in the front of you. You're going to be bit. I've been bit. You've been bit. But one thing by the grace of God I knew was there was too many people to preach to in front of me for me to be hung up with the venom of this viper that the only reason why it came out is because it got close to the fire. But when it latched on my hand by the grace of God, I knew the only place to put that was back in the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, you consume this thing and you let me feel no harm because there's somebody waiting on me to put my hands on them. There's somebody waiting for me to prophesy to them. There's somebody waiting for me to preach to them and there can't be any leaven in this loaf and in this lump if I'm going to set them free. You don't free people when you're bound yourself. It's impossible. You can't do it. Could you imagine Elisha going around, coming to part the Jordan, dragging that yoke of oxen along with him? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing at Bethel, Elijah? What are you doing here? I come to set men free. Looks like you need to be set free. Why? What you got that yoke for? Looks like you need to be free. Looks like you need to let the yoke destroy, that yoke be destroyed by the anointing. Looks like you need to get free. You can't deliver people when you're bound. There has to be destroy, something broken off of you for you to do, touch anybody else. And if there's stuff there, you ain't freeing people. You're hindering people. And you're hindering the work of God. Listen. This is too precious to me, brother. I've made decisions, and some people that's close enough to me in here know that I've made decisions that I trusted by the grace of God. If I'd have done what I wanted, I would have done it. And I felt I had the right to do it. I felt I was back biblically to do it, maybe. But I didn't do it. Why? Because there was a higher law in me that said you need to put the kingdom and honor men and you need to put this kingdom first before you put your rights first. And you need to suck it up, buddy. And you need to die on this altar so that the kingdom can be honored and established. And thank God, by His grace, He can help us to do what's right. But the thing is, you got to put yourself to the side to put Jesus up. You've got to get out of the way. But whenever you're just going around this house and you're just taking account of everything going wrong and you're taking, you're taking records of everything that your brothers and sisters are doing and you're just writing it down. This and that and other and this and that and this and that. And you're just building up that ledger and then the next thing you know, you're completely enslaved just like that. You know, you took record of that handshake that wasn't given and took record of that uh, attitude it was given come on now and you took a record of that you didn't forgive that you didn't bury that no you took a record of it and saying and it was it won't be very long until all the people are enslaved to each other and now we're not moving in freedom we're moving in bondage all the work of God's hindered 
people's coming in, but they can't get free because we are all tied up with one another's ledger. Think about it. Well, this was done, that was done. Everybody was living under the bondage of what? An unforgiven debt. Here they were, slaves. And the sad thing was it was coming from the rulers and the nobles. The people raised up in the church. The people that should have knew better. The people in leadership. The people in ministry. The people teaching. The people that should have been showing the way were the ones taking the taxes. Saying, come on. Taking notes. You ought to know better than that. We're all on different playing fields. And surely if you have the wisdom of God, you need to know everybody ain't where you are in the Lord. How much more do we need the grace of God given to us for us to do what is right? It is, it, it will never go forward if we continue to hold things against one another. And exactly what happened in Nehemiah. And the revival came to a stop. Your marriage will come to a stop. Your family will come to the stop if you let this stuff in. That's why the scripture said don't let anything be between you and your wife. Why? You can't get your prayers answered. And that's why the enemy always seeks to come against that, against the home against the family and against the church because he knows all he has to do is get that in to take our ground away. He raises questions and he creates doubts and he causes things to get in the mind and all, and all this kind of a stuff and you're thinking, what? what, what, you know, and guess what now? The ground to stand on is no longer there. If there, there's not a unified purpose, that's the way, that's the strategy of Jesus, friend. He can't stand with divided people. He don't. He can't stand with a divided person. There has to be everything. He ha- every man has to know the ground he stands on. And he has to be sure of the way of God. And if I'm not sure that, see, when I know that, then all this other stuff that tries to come in, and then, well, brother, did you blah, 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 get behind me, Satan. I ain't got time for this. You need to go talk to somebody else. It's like one old man told me one time, this ain't no trash can, and this says no dumping. Amen. We ain't got time for it. No, no, go tell your garbage to somebody else because we're here. I can tell you what, ain't nobody coming your private prayer meeting but the devil, brother. You can make it all you want to be. But I can promise you that hell will do everything he can to hinder the work of God. And he does it by coming internally. He'll come divide your own self. (laughs) This is work, the striving of the enemy. And these types of things create the hindrance to the work of the Lord. And And the ceases the progression of God. I'm going to tell you this, that for that to be done, this had to, get, this had to get out. And Nehemiah was very upset when he heard the words. As a matter of fact, it said Nehemiah was very angry when he heard the cry. See, eventually that cry is going to come forth. He can't, you can only keep it so long. And that cry is going to come forth. And Nehemiah is going to hear about it. And Jesus ain't going to be very happy <laughs> with Talion. If I'm, if I'm going to, at least I have, if I'm going to forgive you, at least I, let me forgive you on the grounds of all I've been forgiven from. <laughs> if nothing else, think about it. Where God's done with you, brought you, 
taken you, pulled you out of. Christians have the greatest amnesia of anybody in the world. They forget where they come from. Brother Michael, they all of a sudden, they wearing that suit now. They ain't wearing that ragtag mess they was wearing on the streets. And now they got their suit on, maybe even taught a little class or something. And now all of a sudden, they think there's somebody in the kingdom. And they very quickly forgot, hey, guess what? You was just like that not very long ago. And you may be actually worse right now in your heart. You just don't recognize it. That's the, that, that, that's the thing we need to ask the Lord. Say, Lord... Did you know the disciples had no idea who the betrayer was? Why didn't they know? I'm about to drop a truth bomb here. I never said I've never said this before. You know why he, they didn't know? Jesus didn't talk about it. No, no. He washed that man's feet. He gave that man authority. He gave that man power. And he never told anybody else among us is a betrayer. Woo. I feel him right now. Woo. How did he do it? How did he do that? Why did he do it? For the sake of the whole. If I tell them who that betrayer, if I get Peter and those closest to me, it's like Peter, John, come on. Among us is a betrayer. Jesus, he ain't told nobody. There ain't no way them men could have went on. There ain't no way them men could have went on walking with that man in unity with that man. And that's why when they sat there, they said, Lord, is it I? Why? Jesus never gave one inkling who the betrayer was until it was time to reveal it. Hallelujah. Somebody say, keep your mouth shut. You don't have to defend anything, Brother Jared, about yourself. You know why? Because the Lord has bound you in the bundle of life. And the whole thing of God is the testing to see whether or not... I'm not talking about any specific thing. I'm just saying the working and the testing of God in your life and mine and all of our lives is whether or not we're going to put our hand on something or we're going to let God... Do that work. David didn't have to put his hand to anything. But the test that he went through, and it was a trifold testing, of whether or not, David, will you put your... As a matter of fact, I'm going to put Saul right in the cave with you to see whether or not you'll hear the voice of your friends say he's delivered him to you, David. Are you going to listen to that still small voice that even with the good thoughts that your friends have that said, why don't you touch it? God, I mean, it has presented itself, brother. 
God has set this thing up. David, will you put your hand to it or will you let me do it? And how many times did God, at least three times, God put him in the situation to see. But guess what? David almost failed when what? Nabal didn't help him. And there he was. He's fixing to inherit. He was fixing to inherit larger territory, spiritual fullness, authority. Everything was about to come to him because so far he ain't put his hand on it. I mean, he did touch his garment. You've seen what that did to him. That killed him. He, he felt he did kill him. But guess what? When Nabal, who didn't have nothing of a reputation of God about him, said, I ain't helping that man. David was furious. He's going to take Nabal. But guess what? Thank God that Abigail came and said, Listen, pastor, you don't have to do anything. You're, don't forget, you're bound in the bundle. You're bound in the bundle of life. I want to tell you something tonight. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, if God be for you, if God, if God, if God be for you, who can be against you? I don't have to do anything, brother. I'll inherit every throne I'm intended to inherit. I'll kill every giant I'm supposed to kill. I'll fulfill the will of God for my life, and I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to try to make it happen. I don't have to make a phone call. I don't got to rub shoulders with the big dogs. I don't have to do anything. I don't got to butter up to you. I don't got a brown nose. I don't try to have to network my way through a dead system. I'm going to do what I'm called to do because God said he is for me and if he's for me who can be against me hallelujah give him praise you're going to do what you're supposed to do if God's for you and you need to keep your old bony fleshly hands off of it so that when you get there I've wanted so bad in my heart, for this way of God to be a divine thing, I may have even hindered myself at times. But I so bad wanted to look at people, and I want to look at young men one day, and I wanted to say this, you don't have to make it happen. You just have to walk in the known will of God for your life. A man's gift will make room for itself. And it doesn't matter what that gift is. It doesn't matter if that gift is preaching to two people on the backside of a country road. I want to be found faithful, Trevor. I want to be found faithful. I want to know that I was 
giving myself, risking everything for a half acre, and whether it was a whether it was five the five point one million or just a half, I want to know that I know that my little half acre is going to send shockwaves through this world, and somebody's going to be empowered to come out of hiding and fear and everything else and say, you know what? We didn't even know that man was crawling. We didn't even know that man was praying. We didn't even know that man was called. But guess what? When everybody else was hiding out and doing nothing, they were moving in the way of God and now all of a sudden the enemy's turned on itself and Saul's got to wake up from his backslidden slumber and say well you know what's going on who's missing (laughs) welcome to revival brother why would you put your hand against something that God's in I wouldn't put my hand on this house brother But a lot of people's had. I've been coming here a while, folks. But God is going to establish his church, gather his people. He knows who. Gideon could have never done what he did with all them men. There's no way. He had, he had to take it down, brother. Sometimes it going backwards, going forward. We don't realize it. He had to get down to that 300. Everything added to you. Sometimes takes from you. Let me say it like this. Not everything added to you adds to you. Sometimes it takes away. Brother, I don't want you here if you ain't supposed to be here, man. I love you. You may pay good ties. But guess what? You just going to hold up what God's doing. We don't have time for no more. We've got to move forward in the power of God. And here's the thing. You just have to wake up every day knowing, you know what? God's for me. That's all that matters. All that matters, Pastor. If God be for me, then who can be against me? That's true for you too. That's true for all of us that are walking in the Lord. Who's going to help me on this keyboard tonight? Come on, Sister Abby. This girl's got the fire. We all nervous, Johnny. I'm nervous. I didn't want to come up here. <laughs> Woo. Folks, I, I just done my best tonight to try to put something out that I felt the unction to, to do. That's all I wanted to do. Hopefully one word or one phrase or something has given you bread to go on. The Lord's for this church. If you're divinely connected here, I just want to tell you, don't you dare leave your place. Because the worst thing is going to come upon you. Anybody in the ministry long enough can tell you about counseling with people? Brother, how did this happen? Let's trace it back. Hmm. Okay. It all began when you left your place. That's where it was. This is serious to me. 
Because I've walked in this 22 years and watched the enemy come and wreak havoc on people simply because they weren't where they're supposed to be. Why was Thomas such an unbeliever? He wasn't where he was supposed to be, Rafe. Thomas, why did Jesus have to go the extra mile for Thomas? He should have been there when he first revealed himself. Where was Thomas? I don't know where he was, but he should have been with the rest of the 12. What was he doing? I'm not going to believe unless I see a star. See, it's going to take greater revelation for you whenever you ain't where you're supposed to be to believe that it really is him. Why? I just don't know if this is of the Lord, Pastor. It's because you wasn't here Wednesday night. It's because you wasn't in Sunday school. It's because you wasn't at church Sunday night. You wasn't in the prayer meeting. And that's why Jesus now has to show you his scars and everything else to get you to believe. Is because if you had been there in the first place, you'd have had the same revelation everybody else had. And you'd have been able to know, I don't have to further reveal this to you because I heard what the pastor said. I seen what took place. I knew what God did. I was there when he did it. When he opened up the heaven and revealed, when he walked through through the wall when he came in I knew that it was him why because I was where I was supposed to be and there's a lot of people with doubt and unbelief in their heart for one reason they wasn't where they were to be something else was more important than God was no wonder you can't be filled yet just gonna take a little while we don't mind Hallelujah. 